Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Jesus in my heart there. I just said, you can take this broken thing and fix it, you can have it. And all of that heavy sin, in, in a moment's time, like for real, I, you know, you found this is the cheesiest thing everyone said, I felt it lift. And then it was no longer a truck of conviction and pain and condemnation of my own sins. It was, I was no longer cornered. I was free. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Well, hello and welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast on Testimony Tuesday. We are back once again with another pastor on the line from the Christian Fellowship Ministries. And boy, do we have a guest today. Uh, We are so glad for uh, each and every one of you to join us. And uh, most of all, we want to welcome to the conversation, Pastor Heath Flitcroft. Welcome. Uh, So glad to have you, sir. Yes, thank you for having me. Hey. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, anything that happens when you are involved seems to be pretty fun. (laughs) (laughs) You're a guy. That likes to have fun, don't you? Oh, a little bit, a little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. They're, they're going to think we're on drugs or something. You know, I actually have a good friend of mine. Uh, maybe some of you know Pastor Neil. He actually says sometimes when he talks to me on the phone, it sounds like, you know, I feel like I'm doing drugs. So that would be, that would be another, that would be a confirming witness. That, yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, hopefully it's the Holy Spirit, not any other spirits, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. Wonderful. You don't think well, save, a of, uh, save a lot of money on drugs. Uh, yeah, this is true. This is true. It's much more affordable. <laughs> true. Uh, we should tell Dave Ramsey about that. That would be something he could mm. uh, he could recommend to his uh, followers. Very easy to budget. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Pastor Heath, you are uh, currently, you and your wife, your family, you are serving as a missionary on the island of St. Lucia. And uh, before we get too far into this interview, I would love for you to take a few minutes and introduce yourself to those who do not know you and give us a three to five minute conference style uh, report. And uh, guess what? No yellow lights, no red lights. So take your time. <laughs> Just shut the, <laughs> shut the power off. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, okay, so uh, my name is Heath, my wife, Renee. We were launched into St. Lucia, and before that, I didn't know what it was. We got launched in July of 22, and so we stepped into that ministry. I had asked Pastor Greg probably about 19 times to go uh, various places. One was, I think I had three times was China. Uh, other places, uh, I was one time I felt called to go to Oregon. One time I felt called to go to it was it was nuts. But then it was a lot of times I just want to go overseas, wherever you want to send me. And then it was wherever you need me. And then one time I called them and it was I was asking about South Korea. And I guess S's worked in South Korea, Saint Lucia. I didn't even know where Saint Lucia was when I said yes to it. We had to look up pictures, and I was like, hmm, I'm mm. glad I <laughs> glad I glad I said not yes. too bad. Yeah, yeah. So God's been really helping us here and having a lot of great um, experiences as of late and just really coming into some momentum. So we've been here for eight months. Um, we're starting to push into getting some people coming to church, starting to get some people getting saved, some healing, some Holy Spirit. So that's uh, it's starting to roll. So we're starting to get excited. So yeah, we're very excited. And I uh, pray for us. We're praying for you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I want to say thank you to my pastor and his wife. <laughs> I forgot the long list of thank yous. I always yeah. thought those guys would be like, oh, thank you. I'm going to take my brothers and sell blocks. I'm like, all right, guys, come on. You okay, I mean? so did you, um, did you take over the church there or are you pioneering? I actually, I, yeah, we, we, we are basically pioneering because um, Pastor Adrian uh, Martinez and his wife Emily came here during COVID. Mm. They were allowed to come in, so they started establishing things from the time they were there. Um, so they got a building, a house, got everything set up. So when we got here, they still were doing masks and like quarantine when you landed and all this stuff. So, um, they had just finally barely opened up when we got here. So that was very good for us because we just came in and took off with all the work that they put in. So I, if there's anything, I should put a plug, a plug in for him. Pastor Martinez, if he's listening. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, that's great. Back so he, Solomon he did all the hard so he, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I set up set up a lot of the foundations, so I was able to be me on the streets. So I appreciate that. So yeah, oh, we are fantastic. We are pioneering though, as far as that. We had, I think we had one guy that he had been coming faithful when we came. And so, but that was a lot of that was just you know for his credibility because he, he felt bad. I said, bro, it was like COVID on in the world was bad, and then on an island is even worse. I mean, they're all so like they're all so tightly knit here. You can't can imagine one person says one thing that's just all and then just lock down so other challenges there yeah i remember talking to uh pastor richard salanoa who's in new zealand a sl slightly larger island but still an island nonetheless and mm. they 
they locked down harder than anybody else I heard about. It was crazy. Almost two and a half years, they, nobody's going in or out. So, um, yeah, people got freaked out really bad by this thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, you you were a recipient of some good timing then as uh, kind of as things were winding down, you, you uh, found mm-hmm. yourself there. And so how have things been going for eight months? Been good. Um, in the beginning, it was kind of the culture shock of it all. But we're we're always, to be honest, my wife is awesome. She'll follow me anywhere in the world. So we always adapt well. We never have a problem where we get somewhere and we, you know, we're just going to climb up in the house because we don't know what to do. There's a lot of things we had to go through. I mean, there's a, like a, a, it's like having a small neighborhood and you're the new kid. It's like that. And then, of course, on top of that, you have tourism. I have my, what I call, I have my, my uh, rich camouflage on. They think I'm rich because I'm white and <laughs> I'm a tourist. So oh, they okay. always ask for money and money. Now they're realizing this guy's a missionary. So, um, but a lot of that, just getting through and everyone asks how long you're here for when you're leaving. Yeah. Like of all the other missionaries, you're leaving here. You, you know, so we're, we're weeding through that. And so they're starting to trust us, you know, a lot of corruption in churches, a lot, a lot of churches, period, a lot of legalism. Uh, and so we're just praying that God gives us the supernatural power, which has been happening. So yeah, I got some cool stories. If you want, I can throw those in there later if you want. But. I, I love cool stories. They're the favorite. They're my favorite. I have two fresh ones. If you want, me, I'll throw some. I'll throw some fast. Go for it. You. Hit it. Okay. So a lady, she has. She was coming, and we. I was actually working on a, a thought. Uh, Evangelist Jeremiah Wacker. I was just reading the Bible, and I sent him a thought. So what do you think about this? So it's like, hey. So through that, I ended up getting associated with you and and the uh, and the guys on the thread, and so that was how that began. But we were working out the idea, and he says, "It sounds like you need. It sounds like I'm believing God that you have a Cornelius there." We were looking at the idea of Cornelius. So here, this woman, I don't know her yet. She's praying and asking God where to find him. She's like, "I want to serve you." She's going to different churches. There's corruption. There's this. She's bouncing from one. She's like, "I just want to serve God." So she's trying to stay. It's not working. She swore she would never go to a foreigner's church. So she has a vision, she says, and she sees Renee, a, you know, this woman in her vision. So we're having a concert, you know, just me. My wife's the, the flyer person. I'm the one-man band under a canopy just making noise in the, on the park. And uh, she walks straight up to her, takes a flyer, and says, I'll be there. And so we're like, okay. Yeah, we've heard that a million times, right? I mean, how many times? If you had a, oh, just a 50 cents for every time you heard that as a pastor, right? I'll be there, I'll be there. Mm. <laughs> so we go back to service and there she is Sunday morning uh, and it's, then it's Sunday night um, then I tell her you know, we have service on Wednesday then it's Wednesday we have a Friday night movie night boom she's there we have outreach on, again on Saturday boom she comes she's literally not missed one thing since she's come and this has been over a month now and I mean that's oh. I mean, perfect attendance. I promise. If we say we're gonna, you know, we're gonna fix our, we're gonna tie our shoes on a Tuesday night, she'll be there. Um, so then, after that, I'm I'm in prayer, fasting and praying, asking God, you know, do and I'm just, you know, discontented. She says, uh, she's praying. I don't know this, but she's praying in the morning. She said, no pastor will pray for her to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And she's been filled with the Holy Spirit before, but she said, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. She asked God, will you? Can pastor pray for me? And she's talking about that night service. Well, I'm sitting in my seat, praying in the church, and asking God, and here he says, in my, he tells me, you're going to pray for Linda for the Holy Spirit. Like, that's kind of weird. So I don't know the connection, right? I just told the, the world the connection here. But I preach, my first time visitor, her, 
my mighty two disciples, 10 and six. <laughs> Praise God. Two young boys and my wife. So I feel God tell me at the end of the service. I'm like, he's like, yeah, I told you that. All right. So God told me to do something. First time visitors, eyes are getting big. Pray for anyone who want to get filled with the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking other tongues. And you got to get the feeling of a building. It's empty. I'm a foreigner. We're still small. <laughs> she comes up like clockwork. Uh, I, I say, all right, you know how it is. You put your hand on them and you pray and you're thinking you're pulling them, you know, you lead them in a prayer and you get your hand and you're like, you're kind of like, it's almost like you're pulling it by the spirit. You kind of pull it from them. You know, you got their hand, you're pulling it towards them. You know what I'm talking about, right? But you just try to, come on, speak it out. Not this time, man. I pray a prayer with her. She says the prayer. I say, God, fill it. And boom, one of the most, like probably the top five in all my ministry. Just, I mean, it's, Renee's excited. I'm excited. Get a little teary-eyed. The lady in the back's like, oh, I'm never coming back here again. You know, she's tripping out. <laughs> my God, you're still real. Yeah, man. It was, uh, and so every service, she's just right up there with us. My wife, myself, speaking in tongues all loud. Uh, every, you know, that, that made a huge dynamic change. That was cool. She uh, was unable to pay her rent for three months. She actually <clears throat> started giving. And for the first time in three months, I was able to pay her rent. Praise so, God. Yeah, she's been fruitful. Um, it's been awesome. This last Sunday, it was Sunday morning, we had a, a, just a, a people waiting for us at the door, which is strange. So we get there. So we had 32 first-time visitors. Uh, and then I'm like, we're singing the song about the close of service and God just, healing okay uh pray for healing and like all five of these people come up like, what do you got they got the back pain this is like i got a surgery da, da, da. i'm like that's mitchell let's believe god together so we pray and mm-hmm. supernatural tell the woman in the middle we prayed and then she i prayed this with, with this woman was hey is there something going on with somebody really hurt you and she's kind of quiet nah, nah. so we just all pray together again she comes at the end of the service and it was like a red red or male but it was pretty personal so but yeah, a supernatural starting to roll. And so I think we're going to start becoming that church that has things happen where they send us the drug addicts and the gangsters. And, and so that's my prayer, man. I don't want religious people. I want sinners. Amen. Well, yeah, yeah there, I'm, I'm sure there's still a few sinners on the island. Yeah, quite a few, actually. <laughs> well, that's fantastic, man. Well, that, that gives uh, gives our audience something to pray for in St. Lucia. Mm. And just uh, for those who... Um, are not familiar maybe can you locate us geographically where where is it at yeah don't feel bad if you don't know where it is because i didn't until until uh the end of april last year it was actually a year ago today oh that's good serious a year ago today wow. i called pastor greg on sunday morning and said we'll go a year ago this morning yeah may 1st so wow look at that okay Action. well that's something that was that was a bit of a testimony ringer right there yeah Okay, so I, I got to stop you. So maybe, maybe somebody's going to hear this, and maybe today they're going to make the phone call to the pastor. Maybe on. one year from now, they can have the same testimony. What's holding you back? That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, he he called me. Um, I was on the way down to a Barstow, California, uh, healing crusade with Pastor Lamb. So I'm in a car full of pastors. We're driving down. <laughs> and pastor Greg called, and. Uh, do you want to have a chat? And I knew what that meant. I just knew what that meant. I was like, yeah, well, I'm heading down to Barstow in the car right now. Some of the guys who's calling to get there. They call when I get there, and he just, like, tells me, lays it out. That was the 30th. And so I went home. One of the, one of the factors was, I would have just said yes, but my one of the factors was my daughter was 
too old to come with us. I need to run that by the wife because she's been, you know, it's uh, she's been really actually was crucial for our, our ministry. My daughter was helpful. Went through some stuff together, so we had to really process that and say and wait, wait, and wait on the decision. So we're laying in bed probably till about like midnight or so. Just like, what do we do? What should we do it? And back and forth, you know. And she's gonna, uh, and and then we just, yeah, we just knew what God wanted for us, so we went for it. So that morning, seven o'clock on May first, hey pastor, uh, we'll we'll do it. So yeah, it was um, man, it was crazy. It's been a year already. Man, time flies, huh? That is fantastic. Well, well, that that's such a blessing, and oh, and and you never did get around to the geographic location. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> if you if you hop down if you hop down to the bottom of Florida and just start swimming south, you're gonna hit the the Caribbean curve. But we're towards the bottom. We're like in the middle. We're actually one of the smallest islands. We're in between Martinique. I think, and under uh, or next to Barbados. So Barbados, I think, is east of us, and and then Martinique is actually kind of still also east of us a little ways. But we're just on a little, little bit of a you can it's a little small little, um, uh, just a tiny little island. It's got one hundred eighty-five thousand yeah. people on it. So yeah, yeah, and and, and like how how big uh, like square miles? It is. Ah, I think 378 square miles. Wow, that is super tiny. <laughs> it's like awesome. smaller than the county, one of the counties in Las Vegas that we lived in. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Yeah. And is yeah, is it it's considered so its own nation? It is. Um, yeah. It has a weird, I don't know how this works, and forgive me for not being hip on the word of lingo, but there's, uh, it was under, it was fought over by the French and the British 14 times. So seven French. Seven uh, British, uh, the Queen won eventually. But then I've heard it was like a kind of a trade deal. But the, every time they gave it back to uh, to Britain, it was like the French won it, but then they would sign it in some kind of treaty. And okay, we'll give you this much sugar cane for that. And, you know. So uh, there's a famous, uh, a couple of famous things there that happened. Uh, World War II, the U.S. used this island to support to stop Germany from blasting um, uh, England in their, their, their pipeline of, of um, shipments. So there's a lot of history here, but the funny thing is, is no one really knows a lot of history. So you have to kind of like really dig to find it. So yeah, so it's it's under a constitution that's kind of technical. We're still kind of like Commonwealth with, with um, England, but then it's like, we're not. We're supposed to be like a declared independent. Forty-four, nineteen seventy-nine, I think, it was the year, um, their forty-fourth year of independence. But we still, I think, get money from them or something. I don't know. It's complicated. It's like yeah. we're free, but not. Does that make sense? <laughs> well, hopefully, free enough that you can preach the gospel without getting uh, crucified no, or they, something. They they love that. They love that. We're not. We're not in that that level. Yeah. Well, very cool, very cool. I, I, it's uh, it's amazing to me, uh, you know, how far our fellowship is able to spread. And you know, just yeah. in the last episode that our listeners will hear was I spoke with Pastor Jesse Cluck over there in Guam, and uh, man, just uh, these island nations really have a position that uh, you know, there's opportunity there, and people come yeah. in, and people can travel around. So you never know what God can do. I mean, Guam is a small island too, you know. 
but their their influence is, is insane. And to give you a retrospect, I remember going to church with Jesse. I remember you when do. I was married. Yeah, I was married. I, I, I have, I'm like one of those like secret niches of like fellowship history because I was born in 79, right? So like the hippies were just still, and they're like, they're like making the transition from like hippie to like leader right about when I got, when I was born. So I've seen it all. I've seen a lot of like when Glenn Fleck was on staff as a evangelist. I remember seeing, I remember, I remember the Jesse Clark that nobody knows. Like it's just, you know, all these things. And here we are. I'm running sound. He's getting the heavy word from somebody. He's kind of, you know, he was a cool guy then. And then the next time I saw him, he was an outstanding preacher. But mm. here we are, both in Prescott. Both, I wasn't in the ministry. I was probably just maybe as unsaved as he was in Zion. Who knows? But, but I was, it was like this. And now I see him and I'm just like, man, I remember, I remember growing up with that guy. Like, you know, me and Pastor Heinberg are friends. We grew up and went to school together. I mean, it's just like, and here this whole world is connected. He's in it's South amazing. Africa. Jesse's in Guam. It's like, it's crazy. But, you know, now, of course, they're Pastor Club, Pastor Heinberg. And it's just wild, wild in a, in a lifetime. And I'm only 43. Well, some people say that. Yeah. Well, yeah, not just pastoring either. These are these guys are like major leaders of wings of the fellowship and right. it's right. it's mind-boggling to me. But uh uh not 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 to say that, you know, like those guys, how could they No, but but I'm saying how much God can do in somebody's life to bring them That's to that exactly position, what I you mean. know what I mean? Yeah, it's like what was small. Like I remember when, you know, so okay, here's a, here's a little one for you. Is when Stacy Diller was talking about that revival Bro, I was there. Like, I was the sound guy. Oh, man, you were there. Dude, I was listening to him drooling. I was like, I remember. And then I was <laughs> I was dying when he was talking about, like, just barely putting stuff together and just preaching. He was he was on fire. Oh, man. He, he beatbox and rap. We loved him. I thought, man, this guy's awesome. And then people coming in, unlikely. They used to mock us every We used to go downtown and street preach on the square. And this whole group of youngsters would come and make fun of us. And they would mock us and we had like it was kind of a dumb war like if i'm going back i think it would just be a waste of time but we'd go out to the party or groups and we'd preach the gospel to them and they'd just mock us and say things back we'd preach the gospel and they'd mock us and say things back it was no one got saved it was a lot of just arguing sometimes fights would occur when man when stacy came they all came to church and were getting saved like mohawks like the oh, mockers man. i remember watching them walk in like <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a that was a Holy Ghost time for real. And I remember, so I've you know, man, even with that name, I mean, I've, I remember when he first got saved and was coming in and doing outreaches and and, and rapping. He was like, Stacy Dillon was the guy, man. That's why I said when you got big dogs in their podcast like that, I'm like, I don't know, maybe you want to have someone else. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, it's already worth it to get somebody's <laughs> perspective who was actually there. That was amazing, man. Fantastic. Yeah, it's well. Wild. So let, let's dive in a little bit more because, uh, yeah, I, I, w I really want to hear, you know, obviously your story is wrapped up in the story of your parents and how they had a miraculous transformation in their life coming into the Prescott Church. So can you can you talk a little bit about their experience and how you found yourself going to this little cowboy church in Prescott, Arizona? Well, I essentially was born, you know, like kind of like in church. So back in the day, you know, you know, the 70s, right? They got they were just my parents kind of got on the tail end of it. So they got saved and married in 77, from my recollection. And then they got married and saved in the same year. I don't, I'm not really sure. I'll call me on that together. But I was born in 79. 
So the joke has always been my dad's drugs are still fresh in my system. That's why I have a drug gene. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm the way I am. I'm just naturally high because I was born with this peyote and LSD just runs through me. That's a joke, by the way. I think that's actually scientifically impossible. Who knows? I could be confusing with the woke generation right now. I don't even know it. So my mom was living in the Granite Dells in the TP. My dad had wandered into town because a friend of his had witnessed to him. He sent his dope in the mail to the East Coast. My dad just read the letter and smoked the weed and called it a day. Uh, and then he was like all up and down the coast of the West Coast. He was on his way. He was with the Rainbow family. I don't know if you notice about the Rainbow family. It was a commune, hippie commune. Um, and he was on his way, I think, to New Mexico or somewhere for another convention. So he was like a certified hippie. Yeah, I always laugh at people like, yeah, I was a hippie. Like, no, my dad was the real thing. Like, he didn't live anywhere. He had a dog and a guitar. And he'd play music. <laughs> That's how they fed him. Like, he would, like, meet and they'd give him some drugs. And then he'd just play and they just loved him. So they'd feed him that way. He didn't really get... Um, he he really was like full on just out in the woods. I asked him one time, I was like, Dad, what'd you do? Like living in the by the redwoods and you know, it's up up the coast, it's freezing. He says he's in Oregon, he's in the middle of the street in a sleeping bag and he's like looking for a little bit of ray of sunlight because he's freezing. Mm. Uh, you know, this wild life of just <laughs> literally pants that were patches, no longer jeans, they're just patches over and were just patch pants. <laughs> um and uh he said, uh, yeah, I had a I had a I had a had a bag, a grocery bag full of pe- uh, peyote, and basically that. So peyote and peanut butter was his diet for like two years. So he described that as a, a really, really spiritual fast. So my parents, radical, you know, drugs, hippie, free love, the whole thing. They come both into Presque, Arizona. They get married. They have me. So we really just never left. And during that time, man, you roll into the eighties. Prescott was a machine. It was like we'd have movie nights on Friday. Um, sometimes they do two of them in a row. Um, we do they do music concerts hours. It was like jam band stuff. They play hours, and the kids are sleeping in the, in the in the aisles. We just lived, breathed. Nothing was going on other than church. One time we drove to to a band practice, and we got back. We were driving home, and my dad ran out of gas. Give you an idea. The money wasn't flowing, but they just were going to be there. So we ran home on the highway, Highway 69, or ran running home. Like it was just like life, man. And I'm running down the road and we go home and they're just kind of laughing, like, wow, we're out of their gas. Like it was just full on lifestyle was like, God, oh, God, God, this is what we do. We, have, we play music, we do this, we see people saved, you know. And then it just, it was like a haunted house. We're radical. Everything was radical. Everything we did was just insane. It was nonstop. Like my, I have my, my memory is just like day, day, day. It was always church something, church something, church something. So that basically was my beginning of life. Like my parents just had, and it was funny because I think my dad was on outreach with Scott Lamb when I was born. Like they like were absent because they were on outreach. I'm <laughs> not really sure I, about that. I can't, I can't be in the hospital now. <laughs> I've got outreach. <laughs> but I think he was there when I was born, but like my mom was recovering, they went off to go. But they would like drive from Prescott to Chicago. They would like take a band and drive all the way across country to do an outreach and come back. Like it was insane then. And they were just, you know, that Jesus People Revolution thing is it's real. Like when you you know you hear about that movie they're doing and all that. It's it's just like that. It's probably a little more yeah. radical than what they show, which is probably good that they don't show all the details, but 
it was just God moving and Pastor Mitchell was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've seen little pictures of him. There's a ton of hippies that are all like just making noise and he's literally like, he's sitting in the middle and he almost has a look on his face like, if if this isn't God, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't imagine it. Yeah, and it was like, and it just kind of evolved and I grew up in it and and that really was where I kind of built my, my relationship with God in a sense is I kind of was just in the doing. Unfortunately, when I was 19, I, you know, I come to a place where I was, you know, as a church kid, I don't know if you know, this would be helpful to church kids, is you get saved a million times. You pray for this, you pray for that, you pray for this, you go and you pray, you go and you pray. I got filled with the Holy Ghost the first time in, in um, children's church, I think. Like we all just did it, you know, we got baptized and we were like, I think we thought we thought we were gonna go somewhere or swimming pool. We didn't know what we were doing. We just jumped in and oh, Jesus saved my life and thank you so much. Boom, and we're out. Wow, yay. So I actually got baptized twice for the record. I really got the revelation. Well, thank you, Pastor Lamb. So mm. which Pastor Lamb, I should put a plug in for him since he's my life. It's key. Uh he followed up with my dad. So I think before my dad got married, even he was in connection with my dad. He just linked cards with him. They played music together, and that was my dad's language. Music. He didn't. He didn't say conversations. To what I've my, my knowledge is, is he would give testimonies, and like God's like, wow. That was his his his, his testimony. Profound. Yeah, just wow. God is like, it's like it's just wow. That's it. You know, I mean, he's fried, fried. So, Pastor Lamb. I always tell him he's my second dad because he, without him, I don't think my dad would have made it. Um, and he doesn't think so. He says my dad was easy to follow up on. But my dad just latched on to him, you know. So then I, when I went to Las Vegas under his, you know, under his headship, I walk up to him. I said, it's a boy. <laughs> it's me, <good>, dad. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's just always been there. Uh, even when I was getting discipled, really trying to figure out what I want to do for God, he was there to kind of corral me. In, in my earlier years, I was a little bit not really sure. I was still kind of afraid of the calling, I guess. But he was helping me, you know, leaders are readers, you know, going through this thing. I remember watching him. That was something. You know, I remember watching him. I was really little when he left, so I don't really remember, like, the details of that. Like, I probably was standing next to him when he told my dad, don't worry, Scott was back in six months. I was probably standing right there. Um, and I, the whole thing of uh, him going out and coming back and, you know, the conference when he made his comeback in the band. And there's a lot of details that are just like, wow, you know, but I saw all of that. Like, so I know enough where I would put two pieces together, like, this is crazy, you know. And it's just, um, gosh, volumes of what God, just living in that, what a place I could have been born, you know. And all these right. other people, I, I learned the world through Potter's house. You know, here I am. My neighbor has no clue. You know, they're just Clem and Bob. They have no idea that we have like African missionaries that I know their names. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like we had an evangelist one time going to preach for someone. Uh, the Moyes, Eric and Clementina. He goes in their house to eat and looks on the wall and there's a picture of us. He's like, how in the heck is he <laughs> and Renee on your wall? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> it's a small world because of the, the gospel, what we do, man. It's so crazy. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. Crazy. That's wild. So, so can you can you kind of also give us a, a perspective? Because I mean, being a church kid and having that that point of view and that uh, you know that seat at the table, 
can can you give us what you know your impression was of Pastor Mitchell and and his ministry over the years and and what you know what his life meant to you as you were growing up? He was like the one thing that never changed. Like I would always, yeah, he was always nice to us. He was never like everything Pastor Mitchell did. He was never. I can never. You know, he was harsh sometimes over the pulpit, and we'd all laugh. We loved it. You know, he said those famous words over the pulpit. He's like, oh yeah, there he goes again. You know, and look over. She do his shovel thing. He's digging the ditch. He's digging. You know, he's, they were a riot, man. What I loved about them was they were so real, so real. And uh, I knew that I I couldn't be fake around Pastor Mitchell. Like I couldn't go and like try to like win him. I was really into that. I was really into humor. I was really into getting people to like me through humor and and you know just being wild and crazy, which I am wild and crazy by nature. But it's easy to hide behind, right? So as a church kid, you know, especially all of us, we knew we just don't we don't approach the throne. <laughs> you don't just approach Pastor Mitchell. But one thing I love about Pastor Mitchell is that he would always treat us like anyone else. He wouldn't once I went up, you know, I was sledding across the road and I scorpion. You know what I'm talking about? When you when you go over your tube and I hit something and I did that that classic scorpion. You know the scorpion, right? Where you yeah, bash, yeah. It's, it's basically a face plant and your your feet come over your head. Oh, right. Okay, got it. So that's what that means. So I like literally scorpion, my back hurt. I go to the next service, I got moon boots on, transformer moon boots, by the way. I walk up. And the moon boots, of course, were the snowshoes. But they had the transformer. You know, that's pretty cool. Optimus Prime. And I walk up. I'm a little kid. I switch on my, uh, my back hurts. He goes, oh, come over here. Puts me in the chair. Puts my legs up. My legs short. I'm looking at him. He goes, all right. Do you have anyone you're upset with? I'm looking at him like, he literally did what he does for anyone else to me. And he said, he and I remember, he said, no, I, I can't think of any of that. Let me, me through a prayer. I watched my leg grow out. And the pain left. And he's like, all right. Should be good to go. Like, yeah, you know, he, he could have been like whatever. Shondo put his head on me and then let let me go. I was just a child, but he put me in a chair. Put me on the platform. You know, I mean, there's story after story of Pastor Mitchell's heart. Just so his ministry. I will say, as a kid, I, I didn't appreciate uh, his preaching, but that's you know when you're young. Like I was always dreading Pastor Campbell as well because I knew he was long, you know, and he had to <laughs> pack a lunch. Yeah, but he's so deep. I'm so shallow at his at the time, you know. I'm just like I'm staring on. I'm watching the bugs and the, I'm watching the bugs in the sand. You know, these huge, massive mothras going, Whoa, and the waves going, ah, and it like splits the sea of women. Yeah, man, those are the days, man. The tent. I mean, this whole life of mine was just like, and I knew I just didn't. I I, I knew in me, I can't leave here. I can never leave here. This is, I've, I've seen too much. Like, but it was wild because what happens in church kids, and I don't speak for my case, but I know what's going on with other ones as well, is there's like such a move of God around you. It's this culture, you know, deaf eyes opening, deaf eyes. Wow, that's intense. Blind eyes. <laughs> deaf eyes. <laughs> deaf ears. <laughs> and the Something thing, like God, that. Uses, God uses me to preach. That's another miracle by itself. But, <laughs> This whole thing is this culture of like supernatural activity, right? And you're just in there and you're like a funky kid. You're just like funky, you're carnal. You can't wait to leave and go hang out with your friends and watch some stupid movie or something. Because, you know, that's how church kids do it. We don't do it at home. We got to go and have, have a spend the night at our friend's house. Or back in my day, it was borrow a compact disc and a CD. That's a little <laughs> word. 
but you didn't buy the music to listen to. You just borrowed it and then gave it back when you were done. So you're, there's ways of getting around carnality and all that jazz, you know. This is way before Netflix and all that stuff. But you could, here I am, funky, and here he is just pouring his heart out into us. And some, us and some of the kids are just you know, kind of oblivious, just kind of into dumb things. Um, but really, at, at the end of my, truly at the end of like my high school years, I was going to either go to college or kind of stay saved. It's, you know, I don't say college is the devil, but for me it was. It was I knew what was going to happen when I left my covering and went into somewhere else, even if it was, you know, other churches were there. You know, we always hear that, I'll go to another church. I knew, I just knew that if I leave, I'm going to, I'm going to probably fall into sin. You know, I'll have, I used to always joke, I'll have, I'll have uh, school debts and I'll have um, child support debts as well. I'm sure. Because mm. I just knew that was where I was headed, where I was headed. And um, that's my, if you want me to, that's where I got saved. So that's where I came into, end of my high school, I'm on the side of the road in front of my house um, after grad night, cheesy party thing, with, you know, virgin drinks and stupid, it was ridiculous. And I just sit and look at my yearbook and I'm kind of like tired and it's like 6 a.m. And God just fills my truck with the presence of God. It was like, okay. So he's asking, first of all, I'm looking at these names I'm never probably going to see anymore. All these people, they needed, they needed me and you knew, you knew what, you know the answer. You didn't give it to them. I'm like, Ouch. Oh. So that's kind of that's kind of his icebreaker, right? And then it was easily a segue into, you know, kind of like it didn't he didn't say all my sins. They just became like evident. Everything that was inside that I had been hiding. This is the church kid lifestyle, it was Jeremiah thirteen, uh, or seventeen nine, right? Where it's the heart is deceitfully wicked, and who can know it, right? You think, oh, yeah, I'm good. It was like the heart just kind of like spilled out in my truck and all of my sins. And, you know, the scripture where Jesus says, if you look at someone with lust, you've already been with them. You look at them with murder in your heart, you've already killed them. All of that sin was in there because that's all my sin was, was inside of me. My mind, mm -hmm. my imaginations, my mouth, and the secret life. And it was like, God, he blew it up. I felt like I'm... If I would have died, that would have been the moment I would have died. I, I knew I was going to hell right then. And um, and he just said, he just said plainly, "What are you gonna do with my son's blood?" And I was like, "Oh man!" Like it just got real. Like you know, if I was a hippie, I'd be like, "Far out, man! <laughs> 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 this is radical, bro!" And I just I just kind of broke down, like in, in a fearful sense. And that's when I really felt the reverence of God because I wasn't in church. And Pasha wasn't scaring me with some hell sermon or illustration. I wasn't scared of, you know, you know, I didn't have safety looking at me in the eyes that it would behoove you. You know, I didn't have none of that. It was just <laughs> me. And it was in my truck and God just dealt with me. And I just made a, I made a choice. God, if you can take my life, I broke it. And I felt like I had been like Charles Manson. I felt that I had been with all those girls. I felt that I have committed murder. I felt that I had done all those things. And then when I asked Jesus in my heart there, I just said, if you can take this broken thing and fix it, you can have it. And all of that heavy sin in, in a moment's time, like for real, I, you know, you sound this is the cheesiest thing. Everyone says this, but I, I felt it lift. And then it was no longer a truck of conviction and pain and condemnation of my own sins. It was, I was no longer cornered. I was free. Yeah. And that's when, uh, that's when the whole thing, that's when my life started. So I, I, I turned 19 two weeks later. And wow. my wife shortly after that and was married before 
before my next, before I was two weeks into being 20. So <laughs> life moves fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, w when you're doing the right thing, then you might as well do it early, you know? Mm. I, uh, I, I, I'm, as I'm thinking about your story, I'm also having reflections of my wife's testimony as well. So she grew up in the Chandler church, you know, from when she was a young age. And one of the things that she talks about quite often when she's testifying to people, is she talks about how she would see how other people would make really stupid choices. Uh, you know, other, other kids would, would, you know, get involved in stupid things and and she was smart enough to not get involved you know to to learn from other people's stupid mistakes oh that's um, so true i so know <laughs> i so know i just go with it uh-huh yeah. so i i'm just i'm just curious i mean how much of it for you was you you had to make your own stupid mistakes versus you know watching other people fall in the mud and have to clean themselves off again you know okay so yeah i would say her idea of it was probably more wisdom than mine. Mine was fear-based. That I knew that if I tried weed, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be done. I'd be done. If I tried getting, you know, with a girl, I'd be done. Like mine was fear-motivated. That I knew that if I did that, there was no turning back. Like I was gonna, I don't know if I could come out of it. So that's what kept me straight in the action, right? But right. what was bubbling was when I was 19. Was that was starting to unravel. I was starting to get to where. I could see myself going out and doing something. Just one opportunity, I'd get, I'd get there. And that's what, what college was for me. It was an opportunity, because I had done well in cross country and, and uh, some areas I had done even in some bands and I was able to get scholarships if I wanted it. But I, was, I just was fearful, man. I knew, I go to Mill Ave, and she was one of them. I go to Mill Ave, I go down there to Valley. Oh man, I don't think I could. Just I just yeah. knew me, you know what I mean. So remove the restraints. It started with all oh, those people and their dumb choices. I thought I was better than everyone because I didn't smoke, and I, but I thought I was I was better because of action. But you know, she's learning from it. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to look dumb or I'm going to be dumb. But I just thought in my mind, underneath, if I do that, I'm going to get hooked. I'm going to be mm. done. That was going to have me, and that's what kept me straight. So yeah, very very true. Yeah. Looking at other lives was was always a good lesson for you know for the future. So uh, so tell us about how your wife came into the picture and uh, did she come into the church there and get saved? Yeah. So ironically, this guy got saved and he was like this giant man. He had bald head and tattoos. And he was dated to a, a famous pastor at the time. His daughter they got married. And she he was kind of a spectacle, you know, because of because of the the pastor, and so uh, he's he's gone away from us now. But this is back in 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 the day when before the big split, the nineties. He comes in and gets saved, and he's got a big story, man. He's like a drug dealer and this and that, and so then I'm I'm actually at my friend's house. Um, you may know him, Pastor Pastor Chris Olson. The time is Chris Olson. It's the bachelor house. Oh yeah. So I was talking about this girl, man. It's like, yeah, man, Andy's got this sister, her name's Renee. She likes to snowboard, she listens to corn. Right away. I mean my everything was like, <laughs> You have you have my full attention. <laughs> and he didn't know. He didn't have a clue. He was just talking over in the corner. I'm thinking, wow, because one of the things that I thought was I I thought I was never gonna get married. I I mean it. Like I thought 
just who I was and the girls that were in Prescott. I just, I didn't jive. I wasn't good at, I wasn't really a confident guy to go just approach a girl. So I thought I was never going to get married. I really did. I'm just a bachelor to the rapture. That's what we used to call it. Bachelor to the rapture. And uh, so she comes, right? So first time I see him, he's got, it was a band we used to listen to back in the day, heavy metal, but it was a Christian version of Living Sacrifice. And so this album had been circulating around called Reborn. Great stuff. And I hear this song and I can hear, pick it out of, I can pick out, he's just driving by, dun, 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 dun. I look over and I see this big, and he's like, he's in this convertible Volkswagen and he's got this girl with him. And I'm thinking, because I know he's married, like he just got saved. I'm like, whoa, dude, he's got a girl with him. What is he doing? Like, I'm thinking, because he's new convertish, you know, a new convert. Investing in Prescott, you get busted, man. You, you go to party, you get, you know. But then he walks right up to us. And he's got this girl with him, and as they get closer, they look, they're definitely siblings. And that's the first okay. time I saw her, on the corner of Montezuma and Gurley at the underground. And I, I saw her from across, we're kind of like in groups, and she walks across the crosswalk with her brother, and it was just like, I didn't like lock eyes with her or nothing. It's funny, because if you talk to her, she's still like coming down from life, her craziness, where she had come from. She got kicked out of the house, she's in Colorado. She ends up in this crazy thing. They're Jehovah's Witnesses. Brother meets her halfway, picks her up, brings her home, brings her to the house. All this is happening behind the scenes. I have no idea. So she's barely even like really saved. She's just coming, being rescued. She'd gotten saved, went back home, and went back into sin. I'm just she by herself, came back. So I see her when she comes back, and I'm just like, and I just, man, it was like love at first sight for me, right? I'm just like, what you paid for sure. Whoa, there she is. And my mind puts everything together. Corn, snowboard. Like Volkswagen, she just—it was all there happening, and uh, I was wow, there she is, you know. And, and I wish I was as smart as Stacy, man. That trick he did for, uh, for, for <laughs> man, I love that trick. I've been thinking about that ever since. Man, that guy—he's smooth, man. I'm telling you, he's smooth. Uh, so he just walks up to me. So all these guys are kind of approaching, and he's like hard. He's telling them, he's like, guys, like, hey, man, you swing dance because he had some swing boots on. And he looks at the guy that said that. And he goes, he goes, I swing. And he goes, because, you know, swing dancing is, you know, right? It's like a certain uh-huh, kind of yep. dance, big, big okay, band right. dancing. And he's like, I swing. And the big brother looks at the, the guy and says, I hurt. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I'm just there, like, he's letting me stand there, you know? And so I'm like, he's very intimidating. But he invites me over, like, he likes me. And so then I was able to kind of talk to her and, but I was still a new convert. So then she was a new convert. And then kind of the rest is history, really. But we were able to hang out with, you know, in groups, the whole thing there. But we were able to date that beginning of next year, January, was our first official date. And then that was in 1999. And we were married in May of 99. <laughs> so, like, literally four months later. Yeah, yeah. But I, I knew. I don't know. She may she may not say that, but I, I knew when I saw her, I was like, I'm going to marry that girl. I told my mom that actually on the phone. My mom's like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? I said, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to marry that girl. That's the one. I just knew. I don't know why. We just met. We talked. It was like, it was very, um for me, it was pretty obvious. And so, you know, her story is a little different. She wasn't as in tune with me as I was with her, obviously. But, but uh <laughs> Yeah, well, it was, so it was the it was the it was the 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 corn anthology. Uh, 
Well, you know, it's funny is is as we became friends first. I was I recommend this to anybody who's dating. Is like, man, if you can find someone you can be friends with first, just be friends with. I'm not saying anything past that. You know, man, and if you put a plug in for Pastor Gary King, does a great shot on the zones of of dating. Friend zone is is a safe zone to find out if you even gel with someone. Obviously, attraction's key, but like you know, if you can do that first. Because she was my friend. That was the first thing. I knew that I could live with her for life because she was my friend. And she would tell me things honestly. And she was just, I mean, honestly, I'll be honest. What you see today that maybe you think is, a, you know, this is how, well, wow, he's a great guy. He's a, I mean, a lot of that goes to my supporting wife. Like, she's been an unseen force. It was God's salvation. The discipleship of the great man, because she passed her Greg as well. And then that supporting wife to deal with my insanity has been. That's why I am here where I am today. I'm so glad that I, that I just told her that today. I said, well, I got, I got the one. I got the Amen. one. I, I, perfect for me. But it was friends first. It wasn't like anything else. It wasn't like I, you know, I made it sound like it was all snowboarding and corn, but that was just the beginning. And then we talked and it was like, wow. I mean, she's, we used to read the Bible together on the phone, you know, I mean, stuff I didn't understand. I'm looking at Isaiah. I'm like, this is crazy. What do you think about this? And I mean, I'm on the phone with her. She has her Bible open. I have my landlines, by the way, no cell phones. Of course, you know. yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so then that, I just knew right away, like we could get through anything. We've been through hell and high water, but it's been, if it wasn't for that base, if we would have, you know, we wouldn't have ever made it. But yeah, she has a bad past of, of drugs, false religion. I mean, her past is wild crazy. It's a whole uh, thing on its own. But to see what she is today. Her mom actually told her one day, she said, I can't believe how normal you turned out. She said, Mom, it's the blood of Jesus. <laughs> it's the blood of Jesus. So, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So married early, you guys were, you were, well, fairly early, 20. And, uh, and so were you like immediately serious about discipleship or was, was that even on the radar for you? Okay, this comes a little bit of backstory, but the initial answer is absolutely not. Uh, just petrified. So one of my fears in life is I can act like an absolute nutcase in front of millions. <laughs> you can put me in front of millions, and I can do the best Jim Carrey impersonation I've ever done, and I'd be, have no problem with it because it was just me being wild and nuts. But to speak uh, uh, spiritually and seriously was terrifying to me. Mm. It was absolutely terrifying. So. It starts before I got married. I was actually on sound in the um, on the soundboard. So back in the day, in the tent, before we had all this fancy equipment, it was a board, and you had to put your hand on the volume. So when Pastor <laughs> Mitchell would say "loose her," you had to come back down and bring it back up. Uh, if a pastor was getting excited, they they would start to get loud. It would, instead of blowing the speakers, you had to manually bring it down. And then when they started back up again, you bring it back up. So I'm back there. It's a very stressful job. All the cool guys are gone. And they leave me, the rookie, you know, the nobody at the board. And I'm holding holding the knob. Pastor Warner's preaching. They've all gone off to get a coffee or something. They always would ditch out. It was kind of real clicky back then. They'll leave the names out. Well, most of them are not here anymore. But they were, you know. They were, you know, it was, it was a bad scene. The whole sound team was, was in peace. And then it was just them playing around. So I'm on the board. Hey, don't, don't mess up. And they leave me, you know, whatever. I'm holding it like, 
Pastor Warner's preaching. I remember his preaching, his whole message, and, he's, and it was just like God was just honing it right down to me on the board, folding the, folding the volume. And he says, uh, you know, if anything else, God doesn't give you an audible voice. Would you answer the call out of an opportunity to be used? Like the need. And I was like, I could do that. I don't think I'm, just, I'm looking around the tent. God's not going to need me. But I answered the altar call. And I went down and prayed. I told God that if you need me, I'll, if it's if it's just that. Because I had no confidence. I mean, 100%. Like, I knew myself. And I'm like, no. I'm reading. Not good at it. Serious speaking in front of people. Not good at it. Uh, no. Just no. I can't do it. I'm just setting on. But out of the old things, he said, if you can just be used because of the because of the opportunity, will you say yes? And I said, sure. I can answer that call. So he actually got me to get out of my seat, go up front, and answer praise the altar. And that was the beginning. So from that point, life goes on, you know, as church kids do, back to what I'm doing, messing around, da, da, da. yeah, I made that commitment to God, but it was like already gone, as a lot of church kid prayers go. Then I go get married, and we're just living, starting life. Uh, my first son in 2001. You know, I turned into a carpenter. It's probably the time I I met you. I was building houses, um, you know, in bands. You know, it was just kind of like doing something for God, but just kind of like fun stuff. Bands for musicians is just fun, and you get to see that people saved. It's really just a riot. It's like this is cool. Well, you know? well, you had a lot of history with that because your dad was in bands and still is in bands, right? Yeah, yeah, and like, that was my that was my so- whole. Yeah, my whole dream was to always play with my dad or play like my dad or whatever, you know, that was like a big, that was like my focus was like, I want to do that, you know, I want to be like my dad a lot. So out of that came bands and everything else and then life happens and then there's, you know, the kind of image of still kind of being cool, hip, young, but married and people come to your house and hang out for conference, all the busyness. I wasn't really applying it. I would go, they have faithful men at the time, they called it faithful men, Pastor Lamb was leading that. And uh, Pastor Renz as well. And then I think I've been to a lot of these classes. Pastor Olson, Pastor Olson, I remember sitting us all down and saying, listen, I'm going to Tempe. You guys, every one of you need to go and tell Pastor Lamb that you're here to support him. You're here praying for him. You're, you're behind him. <laughs> so I go up, I go upstairs. All the guys are in line. Pastor Lamb, we're here for you. want to let you know. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Pastor Lamb, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm just standing next to him. <laughs> all these guys are just coming in you know and he just looks at me and i'm like Man, it's really cool you're here awesome pretty excited for you i mean i'm talking to him like i've always talked to him like he's been you know so integrated in my life like it wasn't like he doesn't need me to tell him i'll sure why i'm on the airport he just knew you know <laughs> he was like yeah you were at my house on my trampoline the other day like you know, chasing my dog in the yard. Yeah, I, obviously, I'm integrated. He knows where my heart is. Uh, so, but all these things were just like I was doing them. It wasn't like really serious. So we got into the new building. Shalem's doing that. Then Pastor Greg came, and uh, I had gotten into the what was called serious men at the time. But it didn't start with Pastor Greg. It started with some guys at the time. Jonathan Heidberg was on staff. I think Adam Porter was on staff as well doing follow-up. Michael Wright was, was still a disciple. They were kind of just all thinking and think tank. We should get together on Sunday, Sunday morning at 7. So I got invited. The first one they went to was kind of like I didn't get it in the memo. And then 
made it to like the second and the third. So it was kind of this thing we'd do. We'd write little sermons and we'd preach them to each other. So it got me into it. And then one day Pastor Greg comes in and we're like, whoa, what the heck? You know, like, and he comes and sits down. All right, guys, open your Bibles. We're like, oh, I think it was my turn to preach. I'm like, oh, how cool. <laughs> 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 Off the hook. That's when things started to really roll, when I started to try to really get into ministry and focus on the discipleship, is when I finally, the penny finally dropped right around then. And so that was later on, both my kids. Uh, we're still pretty young. We got launched out. I was 33. So I, you know, it's a long time from like 16 to 33, but there's a lot. I had to go through a lot of process to get there. And that was my more me. It wasn't any pastor. I got, I mean, seriously, I mean, when you're in Prescott, you have a lot of greats that come and be assistants. You know, you get a lot of good preaching there. It's not like I have, I can be like, oh, yeah, my church is just not ready. They can send me to the moon, you know, if they wanted to. <laughs> they probably did. <laughs> they probably wanted to send me to the moon. I was, a, I was a nutcase, man. I mean, the fact that they harbored me and were able to harness my lightning, you know, make me focus and, and get myself. That's the miracle of God. All those men probably would have more hair today if I just would have. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm thinking about all those guys. They're, they're a little thin up there. And they have you to you know, blame, huh? <laughs> the joke with Pastor Lamb's hair is he never lost it. His forehead just grew because of his wisdom. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I always tell him, tell him you're, you never lost hair. Your just head just grew because of your, your wisdom. But yeah, so. Well, I want to hear more about this process uh, that took you a while to get through, to get mm. to the point that God could you know, use you. Uh, and then I want to hear about your time there in, in Las Vegas and, uh, and what went into the decision for you guys to, uh, to come to St. Lucia also, but, uh, we're going to save that for our, uh, second half and we're going to say goodbye Ooh. to our free subscribers. And we thank you for listening. And if you want to hear the rest of the story, uh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you know, click the button, subscribe now. Oh, like <laughs> and, and subscribe. <laughs> Well, and uh, yeah, and as you do, we are raising funds for world evangelism. We don't keep anything, so it's a good cause. And uh, anyway, Pastor Flip Prop here is the—he's the man, and uh, you'll love you'll love whatever comes next. So, uh, for those of you who are saying goodbye now, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. And for those who are going to be here for the second half, we'll be right back. the end of the preview of this Testimony Tuesday episode. If you want to hear the second half of this interview, please use the links in the show notes to subscribe. You'll get daily sermons, full testimonies, and an interruption-free listening experience. And every dollar goes to world evangelism. Thanks for listening to this episode of Testimony Tuesday on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.